Who's excited? Today, we begin our series on the book of Romans. In 2015, we will be done. I heard that. So we're going to start with a little bit of free association. I'm going to throw a word out, and I want you to just write down. You have our brand new uh, New Hope pens uh, in your uh, in your uh, pews there. Purple ink, Natch. Give you a word. I want you to write down the first thing that comes to mind. All right. If you need uh, bulletins, we got some in the front and the back. You scratch paper, your neighbor's pants, whatever you want to write on. Everybody ready? All right, first one. Paul. Just quickly write down the first thing that comes to mind. Got it? All right. Here's another one. Apostle. First thing that comes to mind when you hear that. No, it's no fair cheating off of him. You've got to make your own up. Oh, apostle. I'm sorry. Apostle. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Good? You got it? All right, one more. Gospel. All right, so what did you come up with for Paul? What did you, first thing came to mind? Apostle of God. Okay, good. Speak up. Servant, okay. Writer. Missionary, Romans. What's that? Truth, okay. Steadfast. Yes. Jew, yep. Thorn, okay. Sacrifice, right? All right, how about apostle? What came to mind when you heard apostle? Servant? Goat, did you say? Go. The word go, yes. Apostel, to be sent out. Yep. Sent, yeah. Somebody who's, apostle, somebody who's sent or who goes out. But uh, a goat could actually be sent or go out, but that doesn't necessarily relate. Yes, Darcy? Paul. It's good. It's like, you know, you're cross-pollinating here. Ambassador? Okay. What else? Mentors of Jesus? Like they mentored Jesus or Jesus was their mentor? Yeah, okay, good. Theologically, that's good. Shark fins? Churches. Well, you got to speak up. I don't understand Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's that? Peter. Peter. All right. Yep. Peter was an apostle. Yep. 
All right. Gospel. Good news? Jesus. Yeah, great. Congratulations. Yep. What? Matthew? Okay. What else? Mark, Luke, and John. Knock all those out. What else? What? Truth? Okay. Word of God? That's it? Good news. All right, let me do this another way. What is the gospel? Write it down. Write down your definition. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? That's what you're writing down. That's not what I'm writing down. That's what you're writing down. Who's willing to share their answers? What is the gospel? Good news. Okay, good. Yes, Chris. Good news of God's intervention in humanity. Okay? Through Jesus. Good. Okay. Beth? <laughs> Beth? Jesus' biography, right? Okay. Ruth? The written version of the oral story of Jesus' life on earth. So there you think about the literary documents we know as the Gospels. Okay. Yes. Mary? The wise wherefores and how-tos. Okay. Yes. Kendall? Jesus explaining the kingdom of God. That God's kingdom is near and we can be participants. All right? What else? Jesus is a Messiah and is bringing the kingdom of God. What else? Yes. The story of Jesus' life and his ministry on earth. Any other definitions of gospel that come to mind? Maybe some that, some that you grew up with. Some that you heard about. What's that? Four spiritual laws. What are they? <laughs> Thank you. Louise? Jesus died for our sins so we won't go to hell. Okay. Any, any other ones you want to throw out? See, <clears throat> the beginning 
of Romans, which we are going to take our sweet time with over the fall, lays out, like the beginning of many a document, what the whole thing's about. And in the very, very first verse, and we're only going to spend, we're only going to look at the first ten words of the whole thing today. In the very first verse, Paul talks about what gets him up in the morning. What gets him up in the morning is his job, like with many of us. And his job specifically is that he is a doulos Christuiesu. Doulos here means he is a slave. Your servant may have it translated more politely as servant or bond servant. I like the way Eugene Peterson does it in the message. I, Paul, am a devoted slave of Jesus Christ on assignment. Paul says, I am a slave of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle. It was funny, a few weeks ago when we did that prayer for mission, uh, Kara, my daughter, was sitting here and she read uh, that, uh, that prayer for us. And she didn't know the word vocation, so she said, be with them in their vacation and work, which I think makes sense to her. <clears throat> we'll start that out. But a vocation... Right? The word vocation comes from Latin vocare, which means to call. Right? The Latin volare means to fly. That's a song. That's something else. Vocare is to call. Vacare is to empty, to leave. Right? So when you're on vacation, you're leaving. Uh, but vocation is calling. Right? Who does the calling? Oh, come on. What, what's the... Okay. Thank you. Yeah, right. God, Paul is called to be an apostle, right? He is a devoted slave on assignment, Peterson says. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. And Aphorus Menos is a perfect participle, which is not an assessment. It's simply a grammatical designation, which indicates that Paul was set apart at some time in the past, and that that setting apart continues now. Paul is was called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And this little word, ace, here in the Greek, for, which we usually translate for the gospel, is the same word, that uh, in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them uh, everything I've commanded you. When he says baptizing them in the name, it's actually the word ace, which has a sense of into. So there's sort of a directive sense that this word carries. So Paul has been set apart for, that is sort of he's been set apart into this mission of proclaiming the gospel of God. Just like when you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit isn't just sort of a ritual formula. You are being immersed in the very identity of the triune God. 
Paul is set apart for the gospel of God. Now, as we're going to see throughout Romans, there are a few places where Paul is going to give us a little summary statement of what he's trying to get across in his letter, right? You're going to see, in a lot of ways, uh, uh, Paul, like many of us, is easily distracted, right? He starts off saying one thing, and then he'll break off and kind of make some parenthetical comments, right? Paul's writing the days before footnotes, so there are times when you would imagine he'd be putting something in the footnotes uh, or in parentheses, but he just sort of breaks off, says it, and then gets back to his point. There are a few places he's going to talk in Romans about what that gospel is that he's trying to get across. And there are a few places in the rest of his letters where he talks specifically about what his gospel is. In fact, probably the best place to look for that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you've taken your stand. Literally in the Greek, I want to remind you of the gospel that I gospeled to you. He uses gospel as a noun and as a verb there. Paul also, as we're going to find out, likes to play with uh, the Greek language, and if there's not a word that says what he wants to say, he'll just make one up. I want to remind you of the gospel I gospeled to you, which you received and by which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. And what Paul is referring to here is the traditional statement of the gospel, a condensed version of the gospel that Paul himself received. Somebody that the other apostles had taught to him that Paul had learned, right? This is, so what that means is Paul's referring to something very, very, very early in the history of the church, right? He's writing this letter of 1 Corinthians maybe 25 years after Jesus had died. Before that, well before that, Paul had learned this condensed version of the gospel that he was passing on to the churches that he was planting. So this is one of the, this is sort of the, some of the most basic stuff Paul wants to get across. What I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to a whole bunch of different people, and then Paul goes off on one of his little parenthetical digressions, and he says, uh, resuming probably the, the last bit of that, uh, that uh, uh, since Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. You can imagine, like, some apostle early, 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 somebody who had walked with Jesus, came up with this phrase, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And everyone else is like, that is awesome. And somebody else is going to write some music to it, and somebody else is going to write some other music, and they're going to fight over which one they like better. But as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Right? So, another even more condensed version that we often will say in the course of a liturgy is, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. A couple other places where Paul will give us sort of the Cliff Notes versions. 
of the gospel in 2 Corinthians 5, maybe the most compact version of it, where he says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, the cosmos, everything, billions and billions of stars and all the other stuff. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us that message of reconciliation. You get that sense, too, in, in Philippians chapter 2, that we're, we're, when Paul sort of starts spitting this poem, that he is sharing with them a very familiar, very old song about Jesus, that when he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the kind of message that Paul is trying to get across. And as we're going to see in the next few weeks, as Paul's introducing this story, he's bringing up a bunch of stuff that we might not necessarily think to bring up. He talks about the prophets, the Torah, the Holy Scriptures of Israel. He talks about David talks about the spirit he talks about resurrection he talks about obedience none of you mentioned obedience when you talked about the gospel did you anybody grow up being told that the gospel is about obedience you probably got told that obedience was really important that was something that often came on later but if we're going to understand what it is Paul's trying to do, then we're going to have to, in a sense, be willing to hold our understandings of words like slave, for example, apostle, maybe even of God, gospel. We have to hold those a little bit loosely. We want this word to mean what Paul is saying, not what our own conceptions are going into it. In order to understand what Paul is saying, we're going to do something really crazy. We're actually going to read what he wrote and try to understand it and make sense of it according to the background that he's working against. And I promise you, we will not only do ten words a day, because then it would take us much longer than four years. But I want us to start very slow that we, so that we get used to, for one, we get used to Paul's style, so that we, we start seeing some uh, interconnections in his work but also so that we are not getting ahead of ourselves and thinking we understand something we don't quite understand yet. All right? So we are about to embark on this journey together. Raise your hand if you're up for it. Outstanding. All right, will you please, Jeremy, put up on the screen the words of Canticle 21, Te Deum Laudamus, which we will recite together. You are God, we praise you. You are the Lord, we acclaim you. You are the eternal Father. All creation worships you. To you, 
all angels, all the powers of heaven, cherubim and seraphim, sing in endless praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. The glorious company of apostles praise you. The noble fellowship of prophets praise you. The white-robed army of martyrs praise you. Throughout the world, the Holy Church acclaims you, Father of majesty unbounded, your true and only Son, worthy of all worship, and the Holy Spirit, advocate and guide. You, Christ, are the King of glory, the eternal Son of the Father. When you became man to set us free, you did not shun the virgin's womb. You overcame the sting of death and opened the kingdom of heaven to all believers. You are seated at God's right hand in glory. We believe that you will come and be our judge. Come then, Lord, and help your people. Bought with the price of your own blood. And bring us with your saints to glory everlasting. Amen. Amen.